If you are interested in simplifying your life and your business, have you thought about automating things? Welcome to Outside the Box with Elsa. Your host is Elsa Palmer Oden. There are many tools that you can use in business and personal automation, including virtual assistants. It's time to take back your time and management. Now, here's your host, Elsa Palmer Oden. Welcome to Outside the Box. I'm your host, Elsa Palmer Oden. I have a great show planned for you. If you have any questions or comments in reference to the show, you can send an email to Elsa at ElsaOutsideTheBox.com. Today in history, October 1st, in 1908, Henry Ford introduced the Model T, the world's first mass production car to the public at $825. Wish we could get a car that cheap nowadays. In 1942, first jet-propelled airplane was tested. In 1957, In God We Trust first appeared on our U.S. paper currency. So today is World Smile Day. So let's all smile for the great guest I have for us tonight, Chris Odegaard, the prolific investor. Welcome to the show, Chris. I'm so happy to have you on here tonight for this special episode on Outside the Box Investments to Protect Your Future. Tell us a little bit about your background. Thank you, Also, Thanks for having me on. It's it's a real honor. Um, Well, I used to be like Many of your listeners, a conventional investor, you know, investing in publicly traded things, stocks, bonds, mutual funds through IRAs and 401ks. And that put me kind of on a long, slow path of mediocrity and retirement that was, you know, so far away, I needed a telescope just to see it. And then something happened in uh, 2009. I experienced what I finally uh, referred to as an illiquidity event where you lose a lot of money. Mine happened to be the end of a 19-year marriage. And all of a sudden, that mediocre path became even more mediocre, if there is such a thing. And I knew I had to do something different. Um, Coincidentally, around the same time, a friend of mine said, Chris, you got to read this book. you got to read this book. So I dutifully bought the book and put it on my nightstand where it sat for longer than I care to admit. And I was on a business trip one day. And I said, you know, I'm going to finish this book. And I did. And some people can probably guess the book. It was Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that's what set me on a path of switching almost completely con- from conventional investments to alternatives. And now I'm no longer on that slow path. Uh, I, don't, I never have to work again if I want to. I'm financially free. And I'd like to help a lot of other people get to the same place and get off that you know, highway, the 401k highway to mediocrity. <laughs> So is it just the book that set you on your path and your situation at the time? Or was there anybody else or another circumstance that put you on this path? No, that was pretty much it. It was, you know, I was in a, I was in a tough spot and that book showed me, uh, you know, things that I never knew about money and investing like it has millions of other people. That was, those were the two things that just launched me off on a, on a path of action. So for those that don't, necessarily remember or didn't really affect at the time, what happened in 2009 that caused the huge loss you took? (laughs) A divorce. That was it. Divorce. There were a lot of other things going on in 2009 that, you know, caused problems for other people, but that was 
that was my cause. And of course, the things that happened in, you know, 2008, 2009 with the banking crisis and the near collapse of banks and housing prices, that just, that just made it even worse. But uh, yeah. So tell us a little bit about this basic alternative outside box type of deals that you do. Yeah. So, so first thing uh, we should probably talk about what conventional investments are and, and what alternatives are. So anything that's publicly traded stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, those are conventional investments. And then everything else that is not publicly traded like that are alternatives. And those would be things like notes you know, every segment of real estate from single family to multifamily to industrial warehouse, you name it, um, precious metals, cryptocurrency, business equipment, you know, like ATM machines or land moving equipment, uh, being a private lender, uh, investments in different forms of energy, and investing in uh, being an owner or a shareholder in a business, but with private shares, not public shares. And believe it or not, cash value life insurance is, is just an incredible investment when it's done properly with the right type of agent who knows to set up these policies. So all those things I just mentioned are alternatives. And most people, just because we kind of come out of the womb, uh, you know, you get a job, put all of them, all those max out there, 401ks for the max, for the match and the um, and the tax benefit, and that's all they know, and that's what they do forever. Okay. Um, is there anything that started your alternative investments besides that book? Is there anything else that led you to the types of alternative investments that you're doing? Well, yeah. I mean, it's such a it's such a big um, it's such a a big world of assets alternatives. There, there's another thing that, that moved me along. It happened to be associated with Robert Kiyosaki as, as well. I was in my post-divorce condo at the time and an ad came on the radio and it was Robert, Robert Kiyosaki's training company. And they were holding a, a free seminar in Seattle. And, uh, you know, so I was like, it was, it was almost like divine inter- intervention. There was the book and now, now we've got this, this advertisement on the radio. So I, course called up signed up for that signed up for that class and then on the day that I was to go to that class my 92 Ford F-150 wouldn't start and I just wanted to go to this class so bad and I managed to find a rental car company that would deliver a car to my house so I was able to get a car and drive 30 miles north to go to this class and that was uh, one class that led to another and a whole series of you know, different classes and seminars, basically just financial education that helped me kind of weave a, weave a path down alternative investments and, you know, wh- wh- where would I start? And there's just, there's so many, it's a, it's just a unexplored world at that point in time. So what alternative investments did you start with when you first got started doing it? What type of alternatives did you choose? I started with a, with a, a small duplex in Bellingham, Washington, my uh, daughter was a, uh, at the end of her freshman year at the time, and she said, Dad, I don't want to live on campus anymore. I want to live off campus. And I, and I kind of knew that this was going to happen. I thought, well, when she's ready to move off campus, I'll be darned if I'm going to you know, pay somebody's mortgage up there for the next three years. So she and I bought a duplex together, 
she she and I buying it together meant that she, her and her and my name were both on on the deed. Uh, but that was the, the time of President Obama's first time home buyer tax credit. So we got when we bought that property and she was on there and that was her she was part of the purchase of that first house or property. We got like a fifteen thousand dollar home buyer tax credit and she would, did the property management up there locally while going to college. And I ran other things from a hundred miles away. So that was my first, um, that was my first uh, single family rental or, or duplex. And then there were some other small single family rentals and multifamily rentals. And then it went on to, on to notes. And, uh, and if people don't know what notes are, that's just a mortgage or a promissory note. You can actually, those are investments that you can make. And, uh, ATM machines, single uh, apartment syndications, uh, self-storage. So I've kind of run uh, through quite a lot of the assets uh, over the past decade or so. Why are alternative investments superior to conventional investments? Oh, there's a <laughs> there's a whole there's a whole host of reasons. If you let's talk about the returns that you get to start. Um, you know, the S&P 500 index is one of the index that's kind of a measure of the overall return of the stock market. And since its inception in 1926, it has returned on average annually about 9.8%. But studies have been done about, well, what are the return that average stock market investors get in the stock market? And because of a whole bunch of factors, you know, while the S&P is returning 9.8%, the average investors are getting about 5%, and that's before taxes and inflation. So the average stock market investor is just barely maintaining their buying power in the stock market. In, in alternatives, I mean, I don't personally invest in anything that gives me less than a 15% a annual return, and, and, and 30 is not uncommon. So the returns are just wildly different. Uh, but um, you know, people think that because Stocks, bonds, and mutual funds are regulated. They're on the public market. They've been, you know, kind of vetted, so to speak, through the SEC that it's safe and alternatives are risky. And every investment has some risk, you know, on either side of the equation. So that's one of the, one of the, uh, the many benefits of alternatives. So would you say that that's part of the reason why people are stuck in conventional investments? Um, I think they're, I think they're stuck for a couple of reasons. You know, one is it's that it's it's all they know. I mean, it's just so it's just so commonplace. You know, you you learn what you know from your parents and the people around you, and so that's all they know. And it takes and it's easy. It takes no financial education. You know, you could go to one of the major you know brokerage firms and within thirty minutes have an account set up, have it funded, and being buying stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, and no. Absolutely nothing about the stock market or the companies you're invested in. And as a matter of fact, I understand that today, you know, people who get jobs today, their company will automatically enroll them in their 401k plan and automatically pick the amount of their paycheck that will go into the plan and which um, mix of mutual funds they'll be invested in. So that just shows you that. There's absolutely no financial education required to do this stuff. So it's easy. And, and thirdly, there's, there's a lot of money in it for other people. You know, the, st the stockbrokers and the administrators for these 401ks and IRAs, there's a lot of money in it. As a matter of fact, a friend of mine is a conventional 
financial planner slash advisor. And I asked him, I said, hey, how come I never, I have never come across anybody that would advise me on alternatives. He said, Chris, it's easy money for those guys. That was one of the main reasons. Well, wouldn't it make sense for people to know more about alternative investments and then maybe even do a mix between conventional and alternative? I think it makes total sense. But the problem is, uh, if, if, if investors are just, you know, if they're watching TV or listening to the radio, radio all the normal kind of, I'll call it mainstream media, they will almost never hear an advertisement about anything other than conventional investments. You have to, you know, kind of like being here on the outside the box podcast, you have to get, you have to get outside the mainstream media before you'll start to hear anybody talking about alternatives. What would you say would be the best or or should I say the beginner line of alternative investments? If somebody was wanting to, take the chance of doing alternative and step away from conventional or do both of them together. Right. Where would you say that they should start? Should they start in real estate like you did? Um, I, you know, I think so. And mo- some people become accidental alternative investors and here's how it goes. You know, they, they, you got a young family, they bought their first house. And then, then after a while, they kind of outgrow it. And somewhere along the line, they get the idea, hey, why don't I just, instead of selling my starter home, why don't I turn around and rent it out? And then, you know, all of a sudden, they've become an alternative investor. And with one asset, they're getting all the benefits of alternative investment. So that is a, that's a place to start. And uh, you know, it is harder and it takes work and it takes more financial education, but there are, uh, there are um, throughout the country, uh, companies called turnkey housing providers. And so, you know, you could be in one state, but that might not be a good, uh, you know, uh, state for, for the economics of rental property. And maybe, uh, maybe Florida is. Well, there are there's there are turnkey housing providers in Florida that do nothing but go go purchase, you know, houses that are good rentals for young working families, and then they do all the you know the the type of repairs and modifications that need to be done. They they put a tenant in it, and then they're managing that property, and they will turn around and sell to you the new alternative investor what's called a turnkey rental. So, and all you had to do was come to, you know, come to the party with a down payment and a bank loan. And in a lot of cases, these turnkey providers are kind of vertically integrated. So they're managing the property as well. And I had, I talked to one of these guys and he said, Chris, look, I'm not going to buy a, you know, a, a, a bad property and do shabby repairs and put deadbeat tenants in it. Because at the end of the day, I'm the property manager. I've, you know, I've got the problem as well as you. So they're not incentivized to, you know, they're incentivized to put good tenants and good properties and then bring them to you so that you can rent them. You know, I mean, you can, you, you both can profit from them, them as the property manager and you as the investor. Okay. Now, when it comes to alternatives like your crypto investments, mm-hmm. your cryptocurrencies, right. Would you call that a good alternative investment? Is that something you really need to keep a close eye on, kind of like you do stocks to see what what's happening when and so forth? Right. Well, c- cryptocurrency is very new, 
And even though it's been around for I mean, maybe 10 years or so now, uh, it's still very new and it's very volatile. It shares the same characteristics of the publicly traded markets, uh, uh, which is volatility because it can be instantly bought or sold. And so I think everybody should have a small percentage in their portfolio, which is what I call where you're swinging for the home run or the grand slam. And cryptocurrency would fall into that category. You know, we've all heard of Bitcoin millionaires. Uh, so yeah, the, I, I, have, I have a small percentage of my portfolio in there, but it's a percentage of the portfolio that I could afford to lose because the, the, the volatility of these things is it, it provides the opportunity and it provides the downside. Some of this stuff is going to go to zero and be worthless. So yeah, I think people should be doing that, but you've got to be very careful and limit your exposure. How about gold, silver, other minerals like that? Are they good to be involved in? I, I believe so. I mean, gold's, gold has maintained its purchasing power for thousands of years. You know, now it doesn't, it, it, it all kind of depends on what you want from your investment. You know, it doesn't provide any cash flow, uh, but it, it does maintain your buying power. So, yeah. I, so basically, it's like having money just sitting aside that, doesn't necessarily make you anything, but it's there when you need it. Well, yeah, it doesn't make you anything, but it's not. Let's say if you put a if you put a hundred dollar bill under your mattress, and you put a hundred dollars equivalent of gold or silver under your mattress, ten years from now, your your hundred dollars is going to is going to be worth ten dollars, and in theory, your silver or gold, whatever it is, is still going to be able to buy you. It'll still have the buying power of that original hundred dollar bill. So it is, it, is, it is at least keeping up with inflation and probably growing in value. Okay, at least you're not losing. Right, right. And at least what, it maintains. Yeah, and that's what people talk about, a, a store of value maintaining your buying power. Which is what we all want to do. Yeah, we don't want to lose money to inflation, which is what happens if you're uh, you know, just stuffing money under your, under your mattress. When it comes to the real estate side, of investing. What would you say would be your typical, I mean, obviously it's going to matter depending on location and what's available and markets and so forth. But on average, would you say it's better financially speaking and as far as your future goes to go the commercial route, to go to the buy and hold, to do the residential to do I, notes, um, I think it's it's a I think it's a personal choice. It uh, you know everything is uh, real estate is hyper market specific. So you know a certain town might be very good for single rent single family rentals, but all the all the warehousing and data stuff is happening in a different place. Uh, so I don't know that there is, there's not one right answer to that. It kind of, de- it kind of depends, you know, there, there's, there's money to be made in every market, uh, you know, if, like in every physical market um, in real estate and some are better for, for other things. The thing you have to do is decide, you know, what it, what it is you, you, you like. Um, and, and for a beginner, what would well, you say? Well, I think for a beginner, um, I think the single family rental turnkey is a good way to get started. It's a, it's a low, there's a low price point, you know, barrier to entry. And everybody understands a, a single family rental. Most of us have owned one or, or lived in one. 
And so that's a that's where a lot of people start. The beauty of alternatives is, you know, you have the option of starting kind of at the bottom, or you could go straight to some people go straight to buying big apartment buildings. That's not been my experience, but I think single family rentals are a good place to start. Personally, I was very enamored with notes and it was kind of, I wouldn't say sold to me. It was kind of pitched as, oh, hey, it's the benefit of real estate without without tenants and toilets. And frankly, I found notes to be much harder than a single family rental. <laughs> oh, you can get some interesting rental phone calls. I'll tell you what. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Uh, I've taken some of those interesting property management tenant phone calls and you can get some interesting ones. Yes. So I can see the headaches involved as well. Yep. And you never know, obviously. Right. Now, what other types of things would you say make good alternatives? We talked about the crypto. We talked about gold, silver. We've talked about the real estate side. Is there any other types of alternatives for people to consider? Well, there's private lending. Um, you know, if you've, if you've got cash and there's other people out there that, that need cash, you could become the bank, a private lender for, you know, and mostly these are, these would be secured loans. You could be the kind of the, the private lender, hard money lender for somebody else's real estate. If you want to be on that side of the equation or for somebody who's got a business and they need to buy six new, uh, you know, heavy duty uh, pickup trucks. So private lending is another, is another area. Uh, energy, there are great tax benefits in, in the petroleum energy space, you know, coal, natural gas, oil, there, depending on how you do it, there could be some, you know, you, that could be very risky. That's why there are great tax benefits there. Okay. Tell us a little bit about the best alternative investment deals that you've done. What do you like the best? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, I'll tell you one because it's a little. It's a little more interesting uh, than some other ones. Uh, I forget what year it was. Anywhere a, a handful of years back, I had sold some some of my those initial rental properties in Washington State, and I was looking at about a thirty thousand dollar capital gains tax bill. And the the typical way that people avoid taxes uh, when they sell a rental properties is doing something called a 1031 exchange where there's an intermediary and all the funds from the sale of your old properties get held by this intermediary. And then you have a certain amount of time to identify and purchase new properties of kind of the same value with the same amount of, of debt load. And that's kind of generic and won't be completely correct because I've never done it. And so, and that's typically the way you do that. But, you know, I, I was, I didn't want to have these smaller rental properties anymore. I was living in Seattle at the time. Seattle is a not, is not a good cash flowing uh, real estate market, which meant I had to go to another state and I didn't have a team there and, uh, and I didn't want to do that. So I invested in, believe it or not, ATM machines. So I'm the owner of, of, of numerous ATM machines all across the country. And these ATM machines came with something called, at the time, it was called Section 179 Deduction or Depreciation. And so I put $104,000 and, and bought six ATM machines. And I was able to 
take a full business loss for that $104,000 and that offset the gains from the two real estate properties. And I paid no, I avoided that complete $30,000 capital gains tax bill. And those ATM machines deliver $2,155 a month. And they have been since around 2008, I believe. So not only did I get a, uh, you know, a good, I'm getting a good return on that investment, but I, I kept $30,000 that would have gone to the federal government in my pocket just because I picked the right type of investment that had the right type of loss or income to, to uh, offset the income from the tax bill that I was looking at. That's pretty wild. Yeah, and the, and the internal rate of return on that investment is 35%. Now, do you know anybody in the conventional investment world that's making 35% on any kind of a consistent basis? I don't, I don't know of anybody. There could be some, but it's not the average you know, person. And uh, anyway, and I'm not some, I was going to say financial guru. You know, I'm just a guy who, who studies this stuff and uh, I'm, I'm using the tax benefit to my benefit, or the tax law to my benefit, I should say. Which does get questioned, but it's there for a reason, and it's there to help us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that uh, as Tom Wheelwright, one of the smartest tax guys in the country, says, the you know the the tax law is just a series of incentives, and you can. They're they're there. It's it's code. It's law. You can use them or not use them, and the people that use them, get a whole bunch of, whole bunch of benefit. And in 2019, uh, I paid zero federal income taxes because of another investment I made very specifically to try and, you know, uh, eliminate a tax problem that I knew was coming. That is really cool. Okay. Well, we're going to be back here in just a few minutes um, as we go to our sponsors. So I want to, Say we'll be right back with Prolific Investor after a word from the sponsors. But first, I want to take a moment to support our law enforcement, first responders, and soldiers and their families. We'll be back in a minute. Entrepreneurs and business owners need reliable, good assistance without the time-consuming stress that comes with searching for, hiring, and training someone. That's where U.S. Virtual Assistant and REIAssistant.com comes in. Their outstanding U.S.-based virtual assistants are trained, have strong skills, experience, and are reliable. They make it easy to work with a rock star virtual assistant so you can reclaim time to do what you need to do and grow your business. They carefully pair you with an experienced virtual assistant who can take care of pretty much any task that doesn't require their in-person presence. From inbound calls to outbound calls to property management and from marketing to websites, they have your small business needs covered. Hiring a virtual assistant is easier than hiring and training an assistant yourself. Best part? It's also cost-effective, saving you up to 85% compared to hiring your own in-house or virtual assistant. Stop doing everything yourself and get your time back by hiring a VA from usvirtualassistant.com. Visit us or call today, 855-2-GET-A-VA. Hi, this is Chris Odegaard, the prolific investor. I used to be just like you, investing for my future with mutual funds through a 401k. 
This was a long, slow path to mediocrity and retirement so far away that I needed a telescope just to see it. Because I switched to alternative investments, I'm now financially free and never have to work again if I don't want to. And best of all, I show you how I did it at theprolificinvestor.net. Looking to buy or sell your piece of Southwest Florida paradise? Make your choice a logical one with Logical Choice Realty Group. Sell it faster for more money and less stress. They'll get your home sold and closed. Go to LogicalChoiceRealtyGroup.com and start packing today. You're listening to Outside the Box with Elsa. To reach the live show, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to elsa at elsaoutsidetheBox.com. Now back to this week's show. Welcome back. I'm glad to have Chris on tonight. So, Chris, explain some of the deals that you lost on or regretted getting into and how someone could avoid the same mistakes or issues. Okay, well, I've got a really good story um, about it's it's I call it my 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 worst investment ever. And it's uh, it's on my blog. I'm looking here for the number but um let's see here where is it anyway it, it was a note it was a note uh a, a performing note in indiana which that means that the oh excuse me it was a non-performing note in indiana and that means that the the uh borrower had stopped paying and the idea with these non-performing notes is that you're gonna you're gonna buy the note at a discount and then you'll be able to kind of rehab the note like you would rehab a house, but it's only paper. Since you buy these things at a discount, uh, you've got a lot of room to negotiate with the bar. You could forgive principal, change the payment schedule, change the interest rate, throw, throw some of the payments on the back. And so that's what I was going to, that's what I was going to do. And, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't interested or trying to, and, you know, your ultimate, sorry, your ultimate, um, uh, leverage is to foreclose on the house. And I, I was not, not in the business or motivated to foreclose houses. I was trying to, you know, get people, uh, get them paying again and keep them in their house. So this was a, a single family in, in Indiana. And uh, the house value was 54,000. The note was 39 and I paid 24,000 for the note. And so when you when you buy these things, they come to you in in, in you know a, a, in big lists in in a, in a spreadsheet, and it has uh, what's called a broker price opinion, where you know a realtor or somebody went out and, and did an external evaluation of the property, and it was supposed to be owner occupied, and you know somebody was living there, and uh, but you know there's some delay between when that BPO was done and when these notes all get to put together and sent out to people to look at them. And so anyway, I had all that information. And based on that, I went ahead and bought this note. And uh, when I sent my own uh, inspector out there to look at the house, it was not occupied. And it looked like on the inside, and it was not secure. It was not locked. Windows were broken. And it looked from the inside like it'd been a crack house. And so now, now I've got a physical rehab on my hands in a really bad way. 
And so I got, I got uh, some contractors in there to take a look at it. And now keep in mind, I paid, I paid uh, 24,000 for this note. And with a house in, in, in the condition that I thought it was in, which was worth $54,000, the contractor that looked at it, he said, donate it to the fire department. This is un, <laughs> unfixable. So, so here in, in that, so if I did that, I'm looking at at least losing all my $24,000. Well, I was still relatively new in the note space and I wasn't quite ready to get, get, give up. So I got, you know, a second, a third opinion and, and they were not to tear the place down. And so I got it fixed up and I got it and I sold it as a, as a, I sold the note, meaning that, um, you know, I, 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 well, I sold it with owner financing, I should say. So I got somebody in there and I financed the deal. And, and a couple years later, I sold the note and got out from it completely. So I, and all, what I was able to do was change that from a $24,000 loss to an $8,000 loss over a couple of years. <laughs> and what I went through with the, with the rehabbing and a bad contractor and, you know, uh, all the things that can go wrong. Um, but anyway, I did, I did gain the experience and I limp and I cut my loss, you know, by two thirds and uh, that and some other experiences, I, I don't do any notes again. And how I could have avoided that was at the time, like I said, there's a delay between when the, when the BPO was done and when I bought the note, I should have at the time that I bought the note, I should have had my own BPO done and had somebody go out there and I might've learned you know, before I bought the note, what I learned after I bought the note that it was trash and it was vacant and unsecure. So that's what I call my uh, my worst investment uh, ever. And that's blog number 30 on the website at theprolificinvestor.net. But all the gory details and numbers are there. Well, since you mentioned the blog, tell us a little bit about the blog that you have. Sure. Yeah, it's it's at theprolificinvestor.net. And uh, in 2018, when I fondly say I fired the man, I don't like to use the word retirement because I'm not retired. I'm not taken out of service. I'm just doing something else. Um, and at, at that time, um, you know, I had been doing alternatives for 10 years. And I, you know, so I said, I want to help other people see the light on this. So I started, I started this blog and I do one article a month. And some of them have associated YouTube videos and I have resources there. But I'm basically you know, walking people through all types of real life examples that I have done in the alternate investing space. And, uh, and all the associated social media channels are there. And for anybody who wants to talk to me, I open up my calendar every day, all day on Thursday, well, every day, it's like an eight or 10 hour period for people to have a 30 minute free virtual coffee with me and talk about investments and personal finance. So people can find that at the blog site. Yep, you go the to the prolificinvestor.net. Yep. The homepage there's a there's a coffee cup there and it says free 30 minute virtual coffee with Chris. Yeah, it should real real easy to find. <laughs> awesome. And they can find different tips and ideas and everything on there. Absolutely. Yeah, this the story that I mentioned about the uh about the ATMs and not paying the taxes, that's on there. This note deal is on there. So there's all kinds of, you know, stories on there. And, you know, these aren't, 
theoretical things that I got out of a book. These are things that I have done, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Most of them are good, but I can't just tell people the good stuff. I got to tell them where stuff went wrong as well, because it always does. Right. Nobody has an absolute perfect business model that nothing goes wrong with. Right, right. Yep. That would be our dream scenario. Yep. Those are so, called tre- those are called treasury bills. <laughs> right. And, and, there that's you where you, and that's where you get probably less than that 5% return on your money and you're losing buying power. Right. Okay. So exciting news. I hear you have a book coming out in just about a month. Give us a little info about that. Yeah, I, I, I do. I, uh, I, I had a business coach about a year or so ago. It was in, in 2019, and she was helping me build the brand and make the blog, you know, help me reach more people. And she said, Chris, can you write a book? And I said, yes, I can write a book. So the book is called uh, Get Off Your Ass and Manage Your Money, Why You Need Alternative Investments. And uh, the book will walk you through, you know, what are conventional investments? What are alternatives? Uh, I compare them across 13 different categories and alternatives win in 11 of the 13 categories and two categories are kind of a kind of a wash, just neutral. And I, I detail uh, I detail my ATM investment, and I run. All, I show all the numbers, both with and without tax benefits. And the reason I pick that is because it's easy. I get a fixed monthly payment every month, so it's really easy to run the numbers and understand. And this is where you get into those, you know, twenty-five to thirty-five percent internal rates of return. And uh, so, yeah, I, I run through the whole thing, and uh, you know, the goal is at the end of the book. If I've done my job, people will go, oh, my gosh, why, why didn't I know this? I need to uh, start switching over some or all to alternative investments, whatever, you know, everybody's personality is about. And, uh, and I kind of lay out a process. You know, I realized 10 years after I started this, you know, my path was kind of, you know, two steps forward, five steps back, left, right. And I thought, you know, I could create a more a straightforward and efficient path for people by sharing what I know. And uh, there's also a free downloadable action guide, which will help you take the last call to action, action chapter and actually, you know, uh, give you a way to track it and kind of move right through it. So, yeah, it's going to be mid-October is, uh, is going to be the release date. So it's, uh, it's, it's an easy read. It's only going to be about 100 pages, but it's got about 15 different figures in it with graphs and things like that. So is it kind of a blueprint? for somebody to get started doing this? Yes, yes and no. I mean, I, I, give them, I give them specific steps to go through, but, you know, there's not, you know, there isn't a blueprint that says, hey, here are steps one, 15, one through 15. You, you're going to have to, like I said at the very beginning, you're going to have to get some financial education and I will share some of my favorite resources and here's all the different types of alternative investments and you're going to have to decide what type of an investor you are. Are you a hands-on person? Or are you a passive person like me? And what do you want from your investments? Do you want appreciation? Do you want cash flow? Do you want tax benefits? All the above. So, so all that's in there. And I've tried to lay it out in a way that'll walk people through this. And at the end, they'll go, you know what? And they'll come away with an investment philosophy that says, look, I want... I want to invest in appreciating assets that generate positive cash flow, that it get at least a, 
a 15% average annual return and have a built-in tax advantage. That happens to be my <laughs> investment criteria just about. But you know, when, you have a, uh, when you have a criteria like that and somebody says, hey, would you like to check out this new shiny object over here? You just run it through the four or five things that you said you wanted from your investments. You go, nope, that doesn't match what I'm, what I'm trying to achieve here. Okay. Would you recommend other books that people start with? Absolutely. Like- I recommend them on the website and, and, they're, and they're in the book as well. Of course, um, you know, since I'm a, a Robert Kiyosaki fan, I, you know, I, I recommend that. Um, uh, there's a, uh, a big one is a book called Tax-Free Wealth by Tom Wheelwright, where he completely uh, will make you see taxes in another way. And, uh, you know, I, write a, I wrote a blog article about my best business partner ever, and it's, uh, it's the government, more specifically the IRS. You know, I partner with them on every deal. And uh, because I'm an investor and I'm doing things that, uh, that the government thinks is good for the economy and the country, I'm rewarded with favorable tax benefits. So that's a, yeah. Talk I've got a all little kinds bit about that. Um, well, uh, the government wants people to, they want us to have a strong economy. They want people to have affordable housing. They want there to be, you know, not civil unrest. So for people that do things like, uh, you know, create or improve rental housing, guess what? You get, you get better tax benefits. Uh, we, they want us to have, uh, you know, lots of energy to run the com- country. And right now that's petroleum products. It's going to switch over to, you know, more green stuff and there are going to be tax benefits that go along with that. So if you invest in stuff like that, you're going to get better tax benefits. And just in general, people, individuals get taxed on their gross income. You know, if you're an employee, you get paid, you pay all of your expenses, you know, your interest and your insurance and your health care and your utilities. And, and, uh, but you pay your taxes before that. Businesses pay tax on their net income. The business brings in revenue. They pay all their expenses, their advertising, their marketing, their rent, uh, their utilities, their interest expense, and then they pay taxes on their net income. Well, my business is investing. So Chris Odegaard doesn't invest in anything. My investing is done through a business entity. And guess what I get? I get the tax benefits that big business gets and small business gets. And it's, it's, uh, I was going to say, it's really easy to do. It is really easy. It's not simple. You got to have some good advisors and you got to have some financial education, but the benefits are so huge. Would you say it's important, I guess, for you to have a CPA on board for everything that you're doing or some kind of tax consultant? Yeah, you know, it, it, and, and I say investing is a team sport. You know, you're going to need a business banker. You know, you're going to need a, a CPA and or a tax advisor. Uh, yeah, you're going to you're going to need that type of stuff. Absolutely. And um, but I would say, you know, the all the tax, uh, all the the really cool tax moves that I've made, and there have been a number of them. None of them were suggested to me by my CPAs. There's just not a lot of CPAs out there, and I'm not trying to give them a bad name, but that are proactive. 
the ideas and things that I came up with was from listening to podcasts and reading books and being in a couple of different investor masterminds where we talk regularly and we talk about the changing landscape and you know what we can do to partner with the government to minimize our taxes. So yeah, you got to get involved in that. And then you have to have a good a tax person who can kind of corroborate what you're trying to do and make sure that, you know, you do it the right way. So yeah, a tax person has got to be part of your team. Now, as I watch everything on the news and you can see that there's in the inflation that's going on and the housing market is still a very much a seller's market. Everything is high in that aspect. What would you say would be the best benefit with everything going on right now? Because obviously to buy houses, you're going to have to really find the deals or you're not going to make much on the housing market at the moment mm-hmm. unless you're willing to hold on it and hope that it continues to grow mm-hmm. or just use it for the long-term investment, not quick turnaround. So what would you say would be like the best way to go in this kind of inflation and market? Well, believe it or not, I'm uh, I'm putting a lot of money into real estate right now this year. Uh, uh, now, again, real estate is very uh, is very local. It's very market driven. So you know, I'm investing in in, in specific markets, and. There's, you know, and people are worried about, oh, the, you know, the, the, uh, you know, why would I buy a house now or make an investment now? It's just going to be that much more expensive next year. And what I would say it's going to be much, it's going to be more expensive the year after and the year after and the year after that. The figures that I hear is that the country has something is something like four million units short of housing units, whether that be single family rental and apartments. So we've got a supply and demand problem in this country. And that, those 4 million units are not, that, that curve is not going to switch around overnight. So for, for people who are investing in the right type of real estate in the right markets, I think there's a ton of money to be made in the, you know, the first half of this decade. Um, and then the, the other thing that, that it's interesting what's going on in some of the places that you don't want to invest, where, where the governments are basically taking uh, you know, property owners' rights by saying that they can't enforce their lease agreements and evict people. So, so what's going to happen in those markets where that's happening? Well, nobody knows for sure, but I could make, you know, maybe some educated guesses. Well, investors aren't going to invest in real estate there anymore. And that's only going to make the affordable housing problem in those markets worse. And investors or people are going to move into the areas where in the states where they're not doing that. And that's going to be, make money for people that are investing in those markets, which will be more because they're more balanced when it comes to landlord uh, tenant law. And it's going to drive up the prices even more in those markets. And um, so, you know, I heard somebody say one time, yeah, if you want to get ahead, you have to be an owner. You have to own something. If you're strictly a consumer, you're 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 getting killed by inflation. You know, your buying power. If you get a paycheck every year, your buying power is just going down because inflation is probably going up faster than your paycheck. But if you're a real estate investor and you're investing 
in places where the market is going up, you're you're gaining, you know, you're getting wealthier from the inflation of property prices. And that's the same in the stock market. But the bottom line is you have to own stuff if you want to stay ahead of the curve. Okay. So basically keep up with whatever it is that you're doing, type of investments that you're doing, if you're doing alternative. Yeah. Well, I mean, for, for, I can't speak for everybody, but, but for me personally, you know, I, I like investing in apartment syndications and and the syndicators that I use are finding deals in specific markets. Um, you know, there's, 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 there's an opportunity in every market. And so you just have to find them. Now, if you're, if you're starting, if you're just starting, you know, at the very beginning, this is kind of, it might be kind of hard to do, but there are deals there. And that's why you need to, you know, get educated and maybe partner with some people that are, that are smarter than you are. Would you say that the whole rent moratorium hurt you, didn't bother you at all? How did that affect you? Um, it didn't. Um, I think my microphone. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, it sounds like it just went off. Oh, there we go. Uh, you know, it, it, didn't, it didn't hardly affect me at all in the terms of apartment syndications. Um, and, and apartments have gotten the attention of a lot of people because, you know, all through COVID, uh, that, you know, I could look at the national statistics of, you know, you know, what was the percentage of people paying their rents? And it was really high. And the company that I use, it was even higher. And so we've got, uh, in, in my particular case, you know, we go out and try to create, you know, take a, an apartment building that was just for people to live and turn it into a community where it's more like home and, and, and connect all the tenants with all the resources to help them pay their rent. And they used to pay it by the 15th of the month. Now it gets paid anywhere from the first of the month to the 31st and, you know, just being flexible. And so it hasn't really, uh, it hasn't really affected my main investment much at all. Okay. So you haven't had to go through trying to evict anybody or anything like that. Uh, well, not me personally, cause I'm not involved <laughs> in, that, <laughs> in that part of it. <laughs> But on, yeah, on any of the properties. Oh, I, you know, I honestly, I honestly don't know. Uh, uh, you know, the goal is not to evict people. It, it's to keep right. them in there and work things out. I, I honestly don't know if there were evictions or not. Okay. So if people were to buy up rental properties, mm-hmm. would you suggest that they handle things on their own or that they get some kind of property management to take care of it? Well, that's one of the things that I cover in my book. It's like, well, what kind of investor are you? Do you want to be, number one, involved in every aspect of that asset? Do you want to just make the big decisions and leave the details to somebody else? Or in my case, do you just want to hand your money over to somebody who's an expert in, in this and just sit back and let the money come in? So that's, a, that's, an, individual, that's an individual choice. And, you know, for me, I just want to be able to create the most amount of cash flow and have the least amount of my time involved. And so I'm a very passive investor. So I really look for other people that are way smarter than me. Okay. I've got an interesting one for you. Okay. What about buying up properties, but also, and basically having those to manage, but also managing other investors' properties? Right. Would that be considered also alternative investing when you're doing it on both ends of the deal? 
Um, well, so when you're when the investor and you're buying up properties, that that is certainly an investment. If you become a property manager, that's a job. So you know, I, I'm I'm not trying to create a job for myself. I don't want one. But I mean, that can you know that can. There are plenty of people that do that because the most important thing in any type of rental situation is the property manager. That is the key. Obviously, you've got to buy the right building, you know, in the in the in the right market, and a lot of right things have to be in place. But a good property manager is going to make or break that deal. So, um, yeah, one of one of them is a job, and one of them is investing. And if you want to be an investor and have a job as a property manager, that that's a that's a choice. And you'll then you'll be making two you'll be making money in two places: the passive income from the property. And, you know, from the job or the company you create, and maybe at some point in time, you know, you become uh, just an overseer of the property management company, and that becomes a source of passive income as well with you, you know, being, you know, the owner or a co-owner and, uh, you know, not being very involved in the day-to-day operations. So, yeah, that could, that could be a passive investment at some point. So, basically, if you had your own rental properties mm-hmm. and then you t- with other investors that needed help managing their properties mm-hmm. and you brought those on, but you had a uh, virtual assistants take care of that <laughs> stuff for you, then that would be a passive investment, wouldn't it? Yes. Could be. Could be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you I mean, you know, virtual it, yeah, a- absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It, it, it just did, did like, like I was talking about being an owner. So you're, if you're now the owner, of the property man, property management company, and you have maybe you got some employees, and you've got some virtual assistants, and you've got a general manager, and you're just the guy that you know checks in on a weekly basis and looks at the financials. Yeah, that is one of the you know when I talked about when we were going through what are the uh, what are all the alternative investments. One of them was you know owning a business and private private shares of a small business. So uh, yeah. That is really, really cool. All right. Well, I appreciate having you on here tonight. This is awesome. And I would also like to thank you for being one of our sponsors for this show. You gave great information tonight. Where can people, when you, when you release the book, where can people find the Get Off Your Ass and Manage Your Money book? <laughs> yeah, when you, uh, when you go to my homepage at theprolificinvestor.net, you'll see a green star there right next to my name. And right now it says pre-order the book, but that is going to switch over and it'll say the book's available. Actually, it's going to be flashing. You won't be able to uh, miss it, but you'll be able to find it on Amazon. But uh, the one-stop shop for everything will be the prolificinvestor.net. And once it's available, there'll be a button you can click on that to uh, to order the book. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate it, Chris. I'd also like to uh, give a thank out, thank you out to our sponsor, Logical Choice Realty, for your all your investing needs, buying, selling, and investment. And good luck to Chase Elliott and Team Hendricks in NASCAR's playoff race this weekend in Vegas. Don't forget to think outside the box and reach your next level of success. May God bless you and may God bless the USA. It's been so great to have you join us this week. Outside the Box with Elsa is broadcast live every Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
We'll talk again soon.